There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor. Horatio's Garden is a national charity creating and nurturing beautiful gardens in NHS spinal injury centres. Leading landscape designers such as Cleve West, Tom Stewart-Smith, Bunny Guinness and Sarah Price create these sanctuaries. The charity is named after Horatio Chapel, a volunteer who had the original idea of creating a garden away from the wards for patients and their families. As a schoolboy, he wanted to be a doctor, and he volunteered at the Duke of Cornwall's Spinal Treatment Centre in Salisbury during the school holidays. His parents are Dr Olivia Chapel and David Chapel, a spinal surgeon at Salisbury District Hospital. And today I'm with Olivia Chapel. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's lovely to be here. Now, just going back, how did the charity begin? So the charity really began from the eyes of the young. So Horatio, as a, as you said, as a young volunteer in the Spinal Injury Centre in Salisbury, just really recognised that there wasn't anywhere uh, that was outside of the clinical environment for patients to get away. And these are patients who've had life-changing spinal injuries. So in, a, in an instant, life has changed beyond measure and they're facing a new life of disability. And they have to be in hospital often for six months or a year. It's a long time uh, whilst coming to terms, not only with the physical impact of the injury, but also the the mental um, battle that there is in trying to just really understand how your life's changed for you and your family and how things are going to be in the future. So Horatia recognised that actually, you know, if there was somewhere that was outside, and that ideally was a beautiful garden, this would give people somewhere to come to terms with all of that, to contemplate, to find distraction, um, and to to really be um, nurtured and supported by nature, which we know is the most wonderful um, life-enhancing support. And the charity is proving to be an amazing legacy for Horatio, isn't it? It really has. So... Uh, tragically, we lost Horatio when he was 17, and following that, we had, um, first of all, an outpouring of donations from 
our family and our friends and people in the hospital community who knew about what Horatio had been planning before he went away. And then the uh, ripple effect of that as as the news of what had happened to Horatio, uh, but also his ideas. People recognised that this was a really good idea. And uh, we, we really quite quickly, after he died, this was in 2011, had a really significant fund that we could do something amazing with to create a garden sanctuary for patients who were having such difficult times. No, indeed. No, just the background to that. Tragically, Horatio's life was cut short at 17 when his camp was attacked by a polar bear whilst on an expedition to Svalbard that summer in, in 2011. But as we say, there has been an incredible legacy. And in each project, the charity funds a head gardener, including um, Ashley Edwards in London, who's a rising star in gardening. So I just wanted to uh, to ask you, what, what does their role involve? What does the head gardener um, doing at the gardeners? The head gardeners are absolutely pivotal to the projects. So we are building um, really outstandingly designed gardens right in the heart of the NHS hospital. And these are all year round beautiful gardens and they're intended to be high maintenance. So it's really kind of flipped the idea of hospital gardens, really, because, you know, often gardens in hospitals, it, it's the opposite. They've been designed to be low maintenance because of, of the costs of, and the, the difficulties of maintaining. We've changed that because we really recognise that all of the benefits of, of year-round interest in the garden for patients, but also for wildlife, uh, and to create a really vibrant sanctuary, whatever month it is. So integral to that are people, and the head gardener is the lead for that group of people who support the garden. So we have people, head gardeners, who are outstanding horticulturalists. They, they're brilliant at caring for the plants and looking after them. But they're also really wonderful with people because this is a garden where people are so important. And so our head gardeners are um, especially recruited to be uh, people who are able to work with our patients, with the patient's families, with hospital staff, um, and crucially with our wonderful volunteer team. So we have in each garden, we have about 25 uh, volunteers who give their time to join the team to not only help with the garden garden and gardening, uh, but also with activities and events that we do. So we have a, a really vibrant arts programme. Uh, so that may, may be artists in residence or live music or creative writing. And so volunteers help with all aspects of that. The head gardener manages the volunteer team, is the real interface for the charity and for the project with the hospital and plays a vital role in getting to know patients and supporting them through their journey of rehabilitation. So they're very, very special people. Now that really is a new way of looking at these type of gardens. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the the, the creative and therapeutic activities um, you offer? Yes, well, gardens are a brilliant um, place to to strengthen yourself, whether it's physically or mentally. And so we use the garden as a place where people could work, say, on their fine motor skills of their hands. So you could be um, planting seeds or bulbs or pricking out or, or for mental stimulation, learning a new skill, having distraction, having fun, having group activity. But also all of the feel good that we know happens when you get outside. So whether that's you know, from 
the vitamin D, whether it's from hearing the birds singing, whether it's from being with a group of people who are non-clinical, who are from outside the outside world, who bring in different interests. So gardening plays a really important part in, in um, rehabilitation for patients. And we also find that lots of patients who may never have been interested in gardens or never had that opportunity spark a new interest and something that can become a lifelong um, interest and passion once they go home too. Oh, great. Now, currently there's five gardens to Salisbury, Glasgow, Stoke Mandeville, Oswald Street and London, but there are new gardens coming on stream. Can you tell us a bit more about what the plan is? Yes, so we're currently building in Cardiff. Uh, so Sarah Price has uh, designed the garden there. We're halfway through the build and we start next month um, planting the trees and the plants. Uh, it's a really uh, exciting project um, in a new spinal injury centre. So this first time we worked um, with a hospital trust with Cardiff and Ville, uh, United Health Board, um, who are going to be bringing a new spinal injury centre, a neuro rehabilitation centre to patients. So it's an exciting garden. It's going to have, uh, it's in an elevated position, south facing, distant views to, to the estuary. Uh, so we're really looking forward to having that open. And then we're currently working with Andy Sturgeon to bring garden to the Northern Ireland spinal injury patients, uh, which is in Belfast. So we're in the early phases of designing that project, which again is hugely exciting. And I think there'll be 11 altogether in the end. Where else are you, are you thinking about? That's right. So beyond that, we hope to be working um, in Sheffield at the Spinal Centre there, um, and also with Southport Hospital, with Middlesbrough and with Wakefield, so that we'll have a truly UK-wide garden network of support for patients facing life-changing spinal cord injuries. Have you got any more designers lined up? We have actually, and really exciting, particularly pertaining to the Chelsea Flower Show as well. So um, our next designers, we're going to be working with Charlotte Harris and Hugo Bug. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's uh, excellent to find out. Now, just looking back a bit, during lockdown, I know a lot of charities had uh, difficulties with, with um, fundraising for obvious reasons. How, how did things go for you? It's been um, an incredibly difficult time. Our gardens have been more important than ever for patients. As a lifeline, the only place that people could get away from the ward. During the height of lockdown, patients were unable to see their friends or family and they were confined to the ward, apart from in those spinal centres where they had a Horatio's garden and they were able to get into the garden. So it became an absolute vital resource. Our head gardener team were all deemed to be essential workers by the NHS, and we've kept the projects going throughout the whole of the pandemic. It's really affirmed to us the vitalness of having access to, to gardens in hospitals. On the one hand, we've had this incredible need. On the other hand, all of our fundraising events cancelled. We haven't been able to bring the outside, you know, bring our supporters um, and donors into the gardens to see the, the, the magic that their support has created. So it has been incredibly difficult. Um, but we have also grown our supporter base as I think people understand more. You know, we've all, we were all locked down and we all reached in that hour we had. We all wanted to get outside and be under a tree or be in a park. And I think we've all experienced a little bit of what it may be like to be locked down in a hospital. 
And so I think that has touched people. And we hope that going forwards, more people will help us to be able to really create this wonderful network of gardens across our hospitals for people who are most at need. What sort of um, financial effect did it have? I was talking to the National Trust and the RHS and they said they lost a third of their funding. I mean, was, was that the sort of thing that you experienced? Yes, it was about, um, our events were about 25% of our funding. So we lost that and I, as an immediate loss, um, the concern is the longer term loss because um, although most of the world is opening up, uh, within the spinal centres, you know, we're still working under NHS restrictions and we still cannot have our visitors and supporters into the gardens. We can't, we normally have garden tours for outside people. We normally have events in the garden as fundraisers and we're still not able to have those. And I would anticipate that will continue certainly until you know, perhaps um, summer of next year because you know, obviously hospitals have to be incredibly careful. Now, we were talking about Chelsea, and um, they've got Project Giving Back, um, offering funding to charities for Chelsea gardeners. Is that something you've considered? Yes, I mean, it's an incredible um, initiative, and we are really, really interested in it, absolutely. I mean, Chelsea Flash is such a, a wonderful platform. It's such a wonderful celebration of great garden design, of gardening, of incredible um, horticulture. And, you know, we, we really uh, value being part of that and part of the dialogue uh, with the RHS about the importance of bringing gardens to you know, are really our most vulnerable in society. So whether those are patients in hospital, whether people in any kind of long-term institutions, we really want to work across the whole sector with everybody to really, um, you know, break down what the barriers are to everybody having access to beautiful gardens. So that might, might that be a 2022 garden? <laughs> we'll wait and see. I hear that they're working on applications at the moment, but yes, as you say, we'll wait and see. So, looking at the uh, at the the ongoing projects, what do you need to bring these about? What what, what are you work, working on to raise the funds for these? So, for each of our new gardens, we run a capital appeal. So, we're just launching the capital appeal uh, for Belfast for Northern Ireland, and we have to raise to to build the garden, and these are. Bear in mind that these are really complex um, gardens with a lot of hand, hard landscaping because they're gardens that are really an extension of the clinical space. So they, they have to, and they're being built in the most challenging of places, right in the middle of an NHS hospital. So we, and we also have garden rooms in them. So we have a big room, which is a bit like a, um, a big garden living room where there's an accessible kitchen and it's a, a warm, homely environment for patients um, to use to so get away from the ward, whatever the weather, and enjoy the garden. They also have garden pods in them, so small little garden rooms that people can use on their own or with their friends and family to have private conversations, you know, to feel that they're surrounded by nature, even on a really rainy day. So for each project, we need to raise the order of a million pounds. And we often get support from the hospital, which we um, have done, um, for for example, for Northern Ireland, which is just fantastic. So, so we then look to, to raise funds from people within the area, so from charitable trusts and foundations, but most importantly, uh, from anybody who feels touched by gardens. You know, um, most of our our um, projects, the funds have been raised through small donations uh, from you know people doing a fun run or kids having a cake bake sale. 
Um, so people who might be touched by what we're doing in the story would urge you to get in touch with us. You can really make a difference and join the Horatia's Garden family on this, on this journey of creating gardens right in the heart of our hospitals. Ah, yes. So what, what fundraising events work best for you? What's the most effective? Well, what we really love doing is getting people to our gardens because no matter you know, how much I talk or how much you see pictures, um, actually, if you can come to the garden, you can talk to the patients who are using it. It is, um, it's, it's just magical. Every single person, patient who uses the garden, has an extraordinary story that's happened. You know, generally these are accidents. These are um, extraordinary things that happen to people, and it's very, very moving to come along. So that's why COVID has been so difficult for us because we haven't been able to do that. So next best thing is to be to be seeing what we're doing. We're actually, um, there's a BBC, uh, where the BBC Lifeline appeal this this month. And on the last Sunday of September, there'll be a programme on BBC One on Sunday afternoon. This is the last day of Chelsea Flower Show, uh, which is all about Horatia's Garden. They've filmed in all of the gardens. Um, so if people can get a real taste of what it's like with Alan Titchmarsh presenting, it's a brilliant film and really powerful. So if anyone has a little bit of time or they can catch it on um, iPlayer afterwards, it would be great if they, they listen in. Now, I look forward to seeing that. Now, I know you're organising, talking of Cleve West earlier on, who's one of your designers, um, you're organising a vegan table for Cleve at the SGD Award. Is that a fundraiser? What's that all about? So the Society of Garden Designers have very generously chosen Horatia's Garden to be the charity beneficiary from the, the awards evening, uh, which is so exciting and wonderful. And Cleve, a number of years ago, won a raft of awards at that evening event for the Hor Horatia's Garden Salisbury, which he designed. And that was actually the same evening when we met Joe Swift and Joe, um, we invited Joe to create the garden at Stick Mandeville. And now it's Joe's moment and Joe has been shortlisted uh, for an award for Stoke Mandeville as well. So we're taking a, t a table at the SGD. Cleve is the most passionate vegan and we are celebrating that as well by having the whole table. There's 12 of us and it will be a, a vegan evening on our table in recognition of Cleve and uh, in support of Cleve and, and uh, all that he's given to Horatia's Garden. Oh, brilliant. That is very, very good news. Um, of course, after my own heart there. Now, are you a keen gardener? We uh, Just as we always finish here, we talk about um, on the Hort Week podcast um, what your favourite plant might be. Uh, but more importantly than that, what your favourite plant might be if you were going to go and end up on a desert island. That's a brilliant, a brilliant thing to think about because I'm, I'm hoping that we don't have to think about the, the the conditions of the desert island because my my horticultural knowledge is 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 growing, but it certainly wouldn't um, extend to what I should be growing or shouldn't be growing on a desert island. So imagining that that desert island had the conditions of an English garden, um, I'd love to take with me um, Aruncus Horatio. So Aruncus Horatio, obviously for. Uh, with its name as a something which is closely associated to me because it's a it's a beautiful plant that we actually found um, before we uh, started the first uh, garden and now all of our gardens have a Runcus Horatio in. It's a brilliant plant. It's also a little bit of a thug. It really likes to grow and extend um, across the garden, but it gives a fabulous um, flower right the way through to quite a late season. So if anyone hasn't got Runcus Horatio in their garden, I would commend it to them.
brilliant, what a great choice. Now, thank you to Olivia Chappell from The Ratio's Garden. I'm Matthew Appleby and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss a Horticulture Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hort Week podcasts via Apple iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, thank you and goodbye till next time. 